Hey, welcome to the first episode of the Pundits Podcast. We are four U.S.-based soccer fanatics who have been playing the sport our whole lives. Uh, we all follow the Premier League, Champions League, European football, MLS, international football. But um, today, we're actually going to be focusing on the Premier League post-COVID. We're going to be taking a little look back on the uh, Premier League since restart. I got Nick, Sam, and Mike with me. All right, so our, our first part of the main segment is Premier League restart analysis. So... Starting off, who do you guys think is the player of the year for both normal Premier League and after the restart? I mean, for after the restart, I mean, if you're talking after the restart, or for the player of the year. After the restart, who is your best player? Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, after the restart, Bruno Fernandes, 100%. 12 games unbeaten in the last 12 games for the Prem. Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, Bruno Fernandes. I think 100%. they were too good after a restart. I think. Yeah, I could agree with that. Yeah, I think he was just too – I mean, he was their whole team. Not their whole team, but I think he definitely led the way for United to go. Yeah, yeah he, was, play he as was well what as United was missing. Yeah. I agree. Exactly. After January, I think in January – it was as February something, United were 14 points behind Leicester. Yeah. And after restart with the sign of Bruno Fernandez, he – not single-handedly, but he put a spark in that team, allowed Pogba to free up, and just kind of allowed the forwards. And you kind of saw development Anthony Martial and yeah. Bruno Fernandez is the key actor, yeah. and he also was picking up goals for the team. So I think overall he was a good key kind of to ignite that United team. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to go to Ali too, being able to to figure out that signing and figuring out what they need. I think if you look at how Marie, or, uh, Martial and Rashford were under Mourinho. They looked miserable, and now you got a new United United team, and both of them are breaking their most goals for the season. In the mm-hmm. Prem, they both had seventeen, which is the most they've had. So I think that's a lot of it goes to 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 Ali. The other day on social media, I was seeing you know obviously the Premier League is oversold, but people were reminiscing on stats and past seasons, and you saw that Anthony Martial in the number eleven shirt for United had a combined twenty five goals in two seasons. And in all competitions, he beat that mark. So, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of it goes to Ali, but I think of it a lot of it goes to Bruno too, being able to free up space too, and being able to pick out the passes that they didn't have before. Yeah, he sees the game just so much differently than anybody on the team, and yeah, I think sure. you're exactly right because he just ignited that spark. I mean, Anthony Martial, like we're seeing him now, he's in the best shape of his life. Yeah. Marcus Rashford seems to be going up. Pogba yeah. for a little bit, a little bit, it was looking up now, not so much, but. Yeah, I mean, he's looking. Martial's looking. Like yeah, he's looking better. He's looking better for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's trying to get into the box and take those chances, and I think I, he's really I do. Critical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that yeah. spark and change of play style came in right at the beginning of the restart, like instantly. Yeah. Like you could tell yeah. how ready he was to play. I mean, he signed, had to wait. How many months was it? Almost. Four. Yeah, yeah, almost four months to play yeah. for the team. You could tell the change of play style right away, and like you just mentioned. All the other players that seem to be playing better too. Yeah. It comes from one player, and then that changes to other players. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the mentality as well. Because oh yeah, I mean, I think Ali he he came in, and I saw something just today. They asked about how they felt about losing. Oh, how many was it? One in like nineteen or twenty or something like that. And he said one too many, which is exactly what United United needed. I think this is probably the. I mean, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong or if you disagree, but I think this is the best United team they've had since Sir Alex Ferguson left. It's starting yeah, to look I, that way. Definitely. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would agree with that. 
I would yeah. agree with that. I think Maybe there's, on there's paper. been times where there's been glimpses of hope that might have looked a little bit brighter, but yeah. I, w- I would agree with that. Yeah, maybe oh, on yeah. paper there's you could debate it, but I think as far as a natural progression in a team and morale-wise, it, it has, it has that better. feeling again. It has that, that Manchester United feeling. I don't know if it's just bringing, bringing Ollie and, you know, a striker <laughs> back from – Fergie days, but it has that that Manchester United feeling again. The players, the attitude is different, yeah. and it was you know Moy is Van all Mourinho. So yeah, as much as some people might not like it, United's always been at the top of the Premier League, so it's kind of nostalgic to see this back happening again. I think so too. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excited for next season. Seems like a lot of teams are kind of in that same similar way. A lot of teams yeah. come on the comeback. A from, lot of yeah, uh, a lot of yeah. teams came out of the restart really positive. Oh yeah, yeah, agreed. So, piggybacking off of that, who do we think the best player for each team is since restart? So, obviously, we kind of covered United saying that Bruno Fernandes kind of lit the fire for them. Do we want to just run through the table and kind of talk about who we think was best for each team? Yeah, I mean, we started at the top at Liverpool. Liverpool's key player, if you can pick just one. I think I'm going to go, I mean... I'm just going to go with my maybe the obvious one. Obviously, Mane, uh, 35 appearances, 18 goals, 7 assists, uh, 0.51 goals per 90. I don't – obviously, he's very important in terms of goal scoring, but I think you could see, especially after he was injured, that Jordan Henderson was kind of the key to that team. He may not be the most technical or most physical player in that team, but something about him, the skipper holds them together. He, yeah. As soon so as you saw him missing, yeah, when they played City – and just after that, the last couple of games of the season, without him, they looked lackluster a little bit, missing in the midfield. I mean, there's moments yeah. where Navi Keita and others seem to kind of pick up the slack, but yeah. Fabinho just isn't quite the same as Jordan Henderson in the midfield, and as well as Navi Keita and some of the other midfields they have. They just don't quite possess whatever that he just has it. I think it's uh, the leadership quality and the experience that he has that's, that he's able to bring to that team, too, for playing in the Prem for so long. I agree. I don't know. I think the most exciting player to watch on that team was probably Alexander Arnold, if I'm honest. He, yeah, I yeah, agree. He's, he's something he's fun to watch. I mean, I mean every time he's on the ball, like he he has the ability to just do the spectacular. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen it, especially with the whole Champions League corner last year. You kind of see the development of him. Yeah. But I think mm-hmm. Nick and I especially talk about it, me being a big England fan, being born there, that we, we've talked about the whole Juan Basaka, Max Aarons, you know, the whole outside back debacle for England. And I think kind of the way we've seen the game go is obviously Juan Basaka is a great right back as well, but you kind of see the way the game is developing more towards a wing back type of role for outside backs. And I think Trent Alexander Arnold is a perfect mark for that. I don't think you would have ever yeah. seen. A right back scoring four goals and getting thirteen assists in the That's the big number right there. Yeah. Uh, this appearances. Assists. And at only twenty one years old or twenty, twenty one years old, he is picking up comparisons to David Beckham from set pieces, which obviously man United Real Madrid fan or not, England fan or not, <laughs> deny that man is one of the best dead ball specialists ever to play the game. So the fact that he's getting those conversations from right back is just speaks to his talent. Yeah, I know Sam and I talked about it too because you had, like he said, the whole the whole England debacle. Like, who are you going to play between Wamasaka and Trent? And we were talking about it. I don't see why you can't play Trent as a center mid yeah. with how yeah. technically gifted he is, and then play Wamasaka. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, more of a defensive outside back. 
Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's completely different, but, I mean, as Nick said, you could play Trent at right back, and, I mean, back in the academy days, he was a right mid. You could play him in center mid. Like, yeah. And even with Iwandu speaking on the whole development of outside backs, you could play Juan Bissaka at center back. 5 for 11 wins aerial duels like no other. Most probably Yeah, but most, he likes to get up a lot. Yeah, probably one, get up a lot for center back. Too. probably one of the That's most true. physical but, yeah, I, I mean, I would have to talk it down at right back and throw Trent up at like a right mid. I think that would work out great. Maybe not straight in the middle of the field. But. Yeah. What were you about to yeah, say, Michael? He's the kind of player that you could put him anywhere on the field. I mean, especially in the midfield, like yeah. winger, winger, winger position. He could score at least 10 goals a season in the Prem. Easily. He's full time up there. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But I'm just, saying, I'm just saying a minimum number if he was playing up there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he had 13 assists, assists at right back. Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> if you could get him up the field more, imagine how many. That could easily be like a De Bruyne number at 20 or so. Oh, yeah. Putting another 10, 15 crosses into the box per game. Yeah. I forgot. I had a yeah. yeah, he's not. He is not going to end his career as a right back. No chance. Yeah. No, no, no I think chance. as much as you talk about, obviously, the past <clears throat> two, three seasons, even Basale, Bonnie, Firmino up front has been absolutely electric for yeah. Klopp, but I think as much as you want to focus on those players as soccer fans, everyone kind of seems to be drawn to the attacker that dribbles fast, takes them on, but you can't ignore both outside backs for Liverpool, and I think Trent Alexander and Andrew Robertson have both been electric, but as far as Liverpool's best player, I don't think there's any question. Well, Trent, Trent had, Arnold. He had 382 crosses this season. 382. That's insane, and there's 38 games. That's just crazy. Uh, the fact yeah. it, it just shows how attacking minded he is too for a right back. So I feel like I don't want to say he's wasted, but I feel like he could be better used more in a midfield area or up front. Yeah, but also watching Liverpool, I think you see a lot of the reason he is successful is because of the freedom he has under Klopp with yeah. both of them. The game, the team's kind of just geared up for it. Yeah, sure. and he is it's a, a play super talented defender, too. I don't even know. I mean, part of it is they want him on defense because he's so good at it, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think his passing and just kind of attacking mindset on the ball kind of overshadows it a little bit. But I think there's a lot more to come from him. And he was Liverpool's best player this season. I I agree. I think he's, yeah, he's unreal. Would, yeah. you, say, would you say he's the best right back in the world currently? Yes. Yeah. 21, right? Yes. Yeah. I think that's right. 21. So at 21, would you say he's the best right back in the world? And who yes. would you compare him to? Uh, old players or past? Or older, I mean, both. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about old, like older players or past players, I think the closest I can think of is Danny Alves when he played for Barcelona. Danny Alves, I mean, I think Philip Lom is kind of a yeah. shout-out to the kind of yeah. the versatility yeah. that he has. Yeah. But, I mean, I think – with, like I said, the comparisons to Beckham, it's kind of interesting to see. But I think I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a right back quite as flashy as Trent Alexander Arnold. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I think he For might sure. become the best. Like right he's flashy, back. like he's a forward. Yeah, <laughs> but he's a right back. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like. Perfect for him too. The type of style that the that everybody's playing right now too with the attacking. Yeah, players. he it blends in perfectly. So well. Yeah. Yeah. That that has helped them, a hundred percent. There being at Liverpool, a Klopp and all of them, a hundred percent. Well, yeah. in that Liverpool team too, you could argue that he's underrated or he doesn't get enough 
credit for what he does. I mean, you have the likes of Van Dyke, Allison, Mane, mm-hmm. and Sala, and you know you got Robertson and Trent back there. Yeah, that kind of raises but, the question: If he was at a different team, do you think he'd be playing defense? No, I I do not think he would be playing defense. I think he would be like maybe the closest to defense would be a right wing back, but. I think uh, there would be a club in the Premier League that would make that formation based around him. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You could have put him on the yeah, wing. For sure. I don't think there's a team in the world right now that wouldn't willingly get rid of the right back to have to place him in. Agreed. I mean, moving on from one absolute brilliant title run to a past absolute dominant team in the title, what do we think? Yeah. Man City, best player. What are we saying? I think it's De Bruyne. I think if you take De Bruyne out of that City team, they're nowhere near as good as they are. I think he's kind of the key man for them. And he kind of facilitates yeah. everything that they do attacking-wise. Because uh, the mm-hmm. first person... I, was, I still think there would be a defensive powerhouse, though, because, I mean, they have Ederson in goal, and on paper he is... I'm pretty sure on paper he's the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, if not the world. I think he won oh, the goal in goal yeah. this year. Yeah, he yeah. did. Because Nick, Nick Pope came second, but... Obviously, that Burnley team isn't quite as good, but yeah, I think you can't. I mean, you can't really question it, can you? Kevin De Bruyne with 35 appearances, 13 goals, and 20 assists, almost a goal contribution per game, is just absolutely ridiculous for any player, striker, center mid, whatever it may be. But I mean, I think De Bruyne being who he is, you can shoot left foot, right foot, dead, dead ball, whatever you want kind of draws a lot of attention and he has the skill to take it himself and also provide for his teammates. So he, like Nick was saying, he's the facilitator for city. And I think there's no question. He was the best for them this year. I mean, I could, I think you could argue best in the league. In all honesty. I mean, he's unreal all season. He's so so consistent. Well, so what else does city need to do to push for the title? If they're got a powerhouse defense and Kevin DeBorno up there on offense, what else do they need to do to push for the title? I think you could argue that they're weak at center back, which is why they signed Nathan oh, Ake from yeah. Bournemouth. I think if you're going that direction, I think they're pretty solid in the midfield. I think they needed another center back for sure, which they bought. Mm-hmm. And then I think left back maybe, because Benjamin Mendy, I feel like he's a little iffy. It's a little hit or miss. Yeah. Benjamin Mendy has shown signs of what everyone thought he was yeah. three years ago when they signed him. Yeah. I think especially – in the past two years, he spent too much time injured, and I mean, he is more than a quality left back for them, especially with the team around him. Yeah. To support him, I think he's fine. But if you're looking to nitpick a team like City, you can't. Aguero is on fire. He did get injured, but he's on fire. Sterling picked up the slack. Probably one of his best Premier League seasons yet. Yeah, Mara, I think this was the best yeah. season for Sterling by far. By yeah. far. Jesus yeah. even had 20 goals and all contributions coming off the bench, too. I mean, I don't think you're really missing anything attacking. I think it's your defense that's letting you down. Yeah, it's definitely I think, Guardiola. Yeah, no, I think another key will be, obviously, David Silva was kind of making a case that everyone's kind of sitting there wondering, why are they letting this guy go? Why aren't they signing him again? But I think it's obviously, I mean, with a team like City, it's kind of interesting to see how 20-year-old Phil Foden is going to step into the shoes to fill one of the Premier League legends for the past almost yeah. decade, how he's going to fill those mm-hmm. shoes of David Silva. And I think that, along with having Kevin De Bruyne next to him, is going to be a key. But like you guys were saying, I think Nathan Ake signing at center back is kind of going to try and fill that hole. And I think 
they might need a little more defensively to challenge Liverpool, but I think that is the key for them, and Kevin De Bruyne has been their best player by far. I think it's kind of hard to argue otherwise, in all honesty. Uh, I mean, I only second would be Ederson, and that's it. I mean, yeah. going on players. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, like we like we were saying, I mean, especially for <laughs> a team like City, like we were struggling to point out weak points. But like Nick was saying before they signed Nathan Ake, like Laporta was injured a lot, and it, Otamendi is by no means at the peak of his career anymore, and John Stones is known for it's being a little rash. Yeah, John Stones is a... Good defender, but I don't think he's going to lead them to the Champions League or challenge for the Premier League title. So I think he and that, that's the defense he had in front of him. Ederson did not have the most sit-back easy job in the Premier League by any means, and I think he showed his class by winning the Golden Club this year. Yeah. Manchester United, I don't think we need to dwell on this one for too much. As we said, best player since we start for sure in all of our books. Bruno. Bruno Fernandes has been electric for them. Like we said, 14 points behind, he's kind of led them from the middle of the park, kind of freed up a lot of their star players, and that signing has been amazing, so by far their best player this season only, even though he's only there half the year. Yeah, well, okay, let me ask you this, because I've been seeing it, it depends on different people. Do you think, even though he was only there, or he was bought in January, do you still think he gets into the Premier League team of the season? Bruno Fernandes? Yes. I would think so, because he, yeah, I mean, he was an integral part of Manchester United. Yeah, Just, I don't think like, you can ignore a team that finished third in their key player. I mean, yeah. yes, you can look at Rashford, Martial. I mean, you could even say the same for Martial. His season wasn't. Yeah, and I mean, they get great, but they didn't. They didn't start. The, their uptick didn't happen until Fernandez uh, started playing. Yeah, I think it'd be could, completely fair to introduce him into the conversation for team of the season alongside Kevin De Bruyne. And other midfielders, no question about it. Moving on to Chelsea, Frank Lampard. I mean, they, they Frank Lampard did a good job. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously seeing ex Chelsea legend, probably one of the most respected midfielders in the past decade, especially in the Premier League and internationally. You look at Frank Lampard coming in as a manager. He did do well at Derby, but moving that step up from Derby to a top-tier Premier League club, being on a losing at an hazard and having a financial ban or a transfer ban is, you didn't really expect that much. I mean, you wanted to see the best out of them. I think Frank Lampard showed his faith in them. And for them, their spark after the restart was most definitely Christian Pulisic. You wouldn't, I don't think anyone would have thought it. I mean, obviously he's an exciting signing coming from Dortmund, but the impact he had just, drawing defenders in, playing balls to his teammates, and obviously scoring goals. The run he had in the last eight, ten games of the season was absolutely ridiculous. So I think after restart, Pulisic, no questions, was their best player. Yeah, I mean, he picked it up in no time. I mean, he was in the groove of things right from the beginning. It really was. Oh, yeah. I mean, the way he was playing, it looked like he's been in the league for another one, two seasons, possibly. He was on a roll right away once the season started. How many goals did he have in like the first six games back? Anyone know? Four? I think it was 
I think it was four, four five, four. four, some like two assists or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, he had a few assists. Yeah, but I mean, he's putting up numbers like guys like Sterling who have been in the league for years. Like just his level of confidence and how comfortable he was in the Premier League really surprised me. Because usually that doesn't happen for a lot of guys when they go to the Premier League. I think he had a little bit of a rough start though, too. Once he first yeah. started getting into the team. Well, yeah. yeah. That rough start didn't last for long at all, I'd say. No, I mean, it was what, like the first two, maybe three games? Yeah. I'm just talking yeah, about I mean, the season in general. Yeah, especially for the summer, I don't think Frank Lampard, you really, oh. as many people would have wanted to see him included with a pretty big transfer from Dortmund. You didn't really see much of him. And once he finally got on the pitch before lockdown, he was injured and out for three months. So he then alone didn't even play that much before restart. And I think he came into it and it was just, he showed his class and probably just showing the bright future as a 21. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard not to not recognize anybody else, but I think it's hard to take your focus off of him after how well he did. I think um, being able to get the signings of Ziyech and uh, from Ajax and, Timo Werner from Leipzig, it's it's hard not to be excited to see what that front three can do, especially with the likes of uh, rumors of Kai Havertz going there as well. Yeah, I think especially this season, I mean, you look at Chelsea's top goal scorer was Tammy Abraham at 16 or other that. I don't really think any players had more than five or six goals on the team. So especially seeing Tammy Abraham was not playing every game. So I think seeing obviously Tammy Abraham, great job scoring 16 goals in a Premier League season. At, again, the young age of, I believe, 21, the team is exciting, but also seeing that it's not just one person scoring all the goals, that Tammy Abraham's out with 16 goals, and they're still managing to pick up goals, score, and just win games is ridiculous. And like you said, with the signings of Ziyech from Ajax and Werner from Leipzig and possibly Kai Havertz coming in, Frank Lampard's going to be spoiled for choice for the wings, striker, midfield, especially with Mason Mount and everyone else, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do, but they're looking very threatening. For sure. I think uh, they really need to look at, I know it's exciting as a Chelsea fan to look at all these, you know, exciting attacking options, but I think they really need to, to look at a center back or someone on defense because one clean sheet away from home is just not good enough for a team that's finishing. That. It's just not, yeah, especially when not, not that, that's what holds them back. Yeah, especially I mean, when Norwich is finishing with the same amount of clean sheets away from home, and they were the number, the first team relegated. So I think that really says something about Chelsea defense and how they were playing away against, I mean, big teams. Yeah, I mean, you look at that Liverpool game; it finished five to three, and again, it does speak to the youth in that team and how good they are. Subbed on Pulisic, Hudson Odoi, and Tammy Abraham, yeah. and they score goals. But the fact that that game got to that point. If they're scoring three goals to come back, they should not be conceding another two to lose five to three after they put on that performance in the second half. So I think Tamori looks good for the future, but needs time to progress. And I think with the Chelsea team around them, they need to win now, not win later. Yeah. So they need to find someone, partner Christensen, or even to replace Christensen and one more. Yeah. to help that defense along. Because I think Reese James looks very good. Obviously, Cesar Spilicueta is their captain. And Alonso at times is very threatening from the wing. But I think the main target for Chelsea would be I think you need a left back and a center back. Yeah. 
I think you can believe in the youth a little more at right back, but I think replacing those two positions is key. Yeah. Yeah. Replacing defense seems to be a popular subject in the uh, London team department. Very true. Really, it really is. Oh, yeah. Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea. Yeah, anyone have any other candidates other than Christian Pulisic for Chelsea's best player since the restart? No, I feel like that one was pretty uh, obvious. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. I think, <laughs> so moving on to, I think, what is would have been a somewhat of a surprise starting from a normal Premier League season, Leicester City in fifth, but also somewhat of a shock after the restart, Leicester City finishing in fifth. Who do yeah. you think after restart is? Even though it was quite rough for them. Well, Michael, what do you what do you think? I'd go. I'd still go Jamie Vardy, especially after the restart. I mean, they were pretty injury plagued there yeah. at the restart, and Brendan Rodgers, I'd say, probably did the best he could do. And Jamie Vardy was still carrying with some goals. I mean, yeah. dude won the Golden Boot. I know one. Yeah, I mean, Premier League's top scorer. You know. Yeah, but... I mean that. Might say something. I, th- I, I honestly think what it was at the end was just, just like you said, Brendan Rodgers and Jay Vardy. They did the best they could, but they didn't have yeah. the Leicester squad. They were just well, so injury struck. I have it. Oh, no. I have it here. Who they were all missing? Yeah, they were missing James Madison, Ben Chilwell, Christian Fuchs, Amarty, Ricardo Pereira, who are all out with injury. And Soyuncu got a red card and was banned for three games too. And those last yeah. two games were Leicester's best, best. Uh best chance of getting into into Champions League. I think you look at that list and especially their outside backs, it's crazy to think that those players, I mean, you look at Ricardo Pereira, if you watch Leicester play, Jamie Vardy, yes, he's electric, he scores goals, but watching Ricardo Pereira play defense, take the ball and then sprint up the pitch and take on players like he's a forward, I think him and Chilwell producing from the outside backs is just a key for that team to keep. I mean, yeah. their defense is good, but I think half their defense is their attack, especially the starting backs. the wing. So missing those two, and yeah. especially the unfortunate Sayuchu situation, was really the downfall of that team. But Jamie yeah. Hardy, no question, their best player with 23 goals in the Premier League at 33 years old, missing yeah. their best midfielder. Only Yuri Tillman's in there running the park. It was really. Just impressive from Jamie Vardy at that age. Even well, so. they had Ndidi as well, but I get yeah. I get your point. I Ndidi think James. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I think Ndidi especially is. I mean, especially in those last couple of games, I don't think. I mean, you saw moments of him getting forward, but especially against any team, he is typically that defensive line in front of the center backs. And I think the more that the games went on after the injuries you could kind of see that Ndidi was sitting back taking responsibility and trying to run the middle of the park and he did good but he's just he's just missing those other pieces so I think Jamie Vardy was great I think you could argue too that James Madison would be the equivalent of De Bruyne or Bruno Fernandez for that Leicester team sitting in different yeah. pockets trying to create passes and create create opportunities for those for that front three to score and I think it was pretty pretty obvious the lack of creativity they had once he was out too, for as long as he was out as well. I think especially also seeing that is in James Madison, they lose their set speed specialist. I mean, James Madison is ridiculous from a dead ball, but also the corners and, and other long ball free kicks from um, Chilwell. I think just all the pieces we're missing and they've failed to fill those holes at times. Thomas, what do you think? 
Uh, I think they were just injury struck right at the end of the season. I honestly, I think that's what it was. For them to finish fifth, I think that was a disappointment. I think they could have made Champions League this year. It's, it's, the, it's the holes in the defense. You could attribute that to injury, but they need to, they do need to work on their defense. They don't really have that that true center back. You know what I mean? They they need that guy who can kind of rough people up. But uh. Yeah, I think – yeah, I agree. I think Sayuchu is a very good center back in the respect of defending clearances, but he's a very aggressive up in the face, but they do need that natural defender that just likes to sit back and is a little more that, reserved. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Could they, you – Their defenders are trying to get up. They're, all their defenders are very attacking-minded, which is great. It, it lets a lot of goals, but – uh, they need they need people who are really truly uh, defenders defensive minded. Well, well, let's say let's say this. What if Leicester didn't sell Harry Maguire this past off season? Do you see them finishing in top four without? Question? Yes, yes. You think? Yeah, I think yeah. especially with yeah, looking at. I mean, because I don't think Manchester United would have finished top four without Harry Maguire. I don't either. Yeah, I think that's what Thomas was, exactly what Thomas was saying. That defender, I mean, Harry Maguire. Yes, he occasionally does carry the ball forward and pick a pass, but most of the time you look at him, he is the last center back back. He wins aerial duels. He is that heavy hitter, aggressive center back. That if they kept him, yeah, maybe even with the injuries, they could finish top four. Just that presence. I mean, so you goes down, you still have your reserved middle of the park rough center back to be there and kind of just hold everything down. So I think with a center back like Harry Maguire, you can keep it here Maguire, Lester do breaking at the Champions League with that team. Yeah. Yep. Right. So then moving on to Tottenham. Down in six. What 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 all do Tottenham need to do to get into they they have to play a playoff to get into Europa League, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I still won the FA Cup. Yeah. So yeah. they're in a playoff. Play an extra like three games or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I mean, sure they'll make it through. I'm sure they'll make it through. I mean, they lost in the FA Cup this year to, what was it, Div 3 team? Yeah, I think it was a Div 2 team or a League 1 team. I mean, I yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Europa League is also your ticket to Champions League, so they might be taking it a little bit more, a little more serious. Yeah, I think, obviously, you look at that team, and, I mean, Son, Kane, Deli Ali, Lucas Mora, the defense, all the world, and uh, Bertongan, it's... It's all it good. Looks good it looks good on paper, and I think, especially the team coming in off such a high, being in the Champions League semifinal and final, and just seeing kind of the Pochettino era era come to an end so abruptly, kind of. I mean, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, but I know that was kind of the right time to give to just kick Pochettino out. He gave you guys your best I mean, running year in football yeah. in years, and they gave him the boot. And bring in Jose Mourinho, who was obviously highly regarded, but it's yeah, I was really surprised that they kicked out uh, Pochettino. I remember first hearing about it; I was really surprised about it. Yeah, I was too. Yeah, I think especially, I mean, even the decision replacing him with Mourinho is interesting because you look at their play style before with Pochettino; it was up front, aggressive. They held the ball, they move it forward, and they like to feed balls into Kane's son, and they just looked more on the front foot. And then going to what Mourinho is known for. The defending counterattack football, I think it was an interesting decision, and it was kind of a rough beginning for Tottenham at first. But I think at the end of the day, with everything, I think if I'm correct, the stat is if you go back to the Premier League restart, they would have finished third in the Premier League if it was started from that point on. So 
as much as it may may not be what everyone likes to watch and might not be what you expect from Tottenham after Pochettino, I think you do have to kind of look at it on paper and say, hey, after restart, they were good. So Mourinho's done something, and it'll be interesting to see how they go for the future, I think. But who do you guys think their best player was post-restart? I think it's hard to argue against Harry Kane. Yeah. I mean, obviously, their front man scoring, scored their goals. I mean, you think... He had a rough start the first two or three games, and then once he got once he got going, he just nobody was stopping him. The the two goals against oh who was it Lester? I think it was the one where he cut in on the outside yeah. of the box, right outside the or right yeah. on the inside of the yep, box. Yep, right? yep. It's just he's he's the number nine, and I know I I'm gonna be honest. I'm not a fan of Mourinho. I don't like him. I don't think he's a good <laughs> a good manager, but he has been known to do amazing things with with forwards so i think kane might be well suited for Mourinho. Mm-hmm. yeah that's that's the pairing that, that we gotta look out for that how kane's gonna develop under Mourinho. because you're right that's yeah. what he's known for is developing forwards yeah especially that number nine rule too yeah yeah michael what do you think i'd say harry kane uh, I'd say Sun was impressive. He got that red card there Sun, so he, yeah. uh, for a few games, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think he had – he played well. I mean, he played well the whole season, in all honesty. I mean, he had he didn't have Kane up there for a while. Kane came back looking really fresh. I mean, what he was out for two months, had surgery, recovered four months, came back. It's looking like this. I'd say Kane would be probably be my favorite player or best player. Since the reason, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he just turned 27 at the end of July, so I think as much as it feels yeah, like he's been true. around forever, I think it'd be very interesting to see how Kane progresses under Marino, like Nick and Thomas are talking about. So I think we've got a lot to look forward to, even though it may not be the most ideal type of football to watch. But I think Harry Kane and honestly, all of those attacking players, you've seen Mourinho kind of get the best out of people. At other clubs, unfortunately, it might not be fun to watch, but it'll be very interesting to see how that team progresses. Well, well, let me mm-hmm. let me ask this: If you're Tottenham, you haven't won any silverware in the past—I don't even know—decade at least. Tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like it's more than that. But what what would your goals be if you're Jose Mourinho for the next upcoming season, two seasons? Champions League. Champions League and a trophy. I think they need Champions League in the next two years. Champions League, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I think I would agree. Every Tottenham fan is still disappointed in the fact that they were just that close to it, and then yeah, here they are, not even going to be playing Champions League football two seasons. Yeah, it's champ- That's yeah. what Tottenham needs is Champions League. Yeah, that's what they need. That's exactly yeah. what they need. And a trophy is definitely up there in what they need and what Mourinho needs too. Mm-hmm. He hasn't won a trophy. Mourinho does need a trophy. He needs a yeah. trophy. He won Europa League with United, but I feel like that's just it's not. That's your anywhere near as Champions League. Yeah. He needs a big, a big trophy, a bigger. Yeah, he trophy. was so keen on it too when he signed with Tottenham and he came manager. I'm gonna win trophies. I'm gonna win trophies. I remember him saying it all the time. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most important things. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think the one thing I don't like about Mourinho, and I think it's just the negativity that he ends up bringing into the locker room. I feel like he's kind of known for constantly going places. And bringing a sort of negativity and dragging players down. You could see it with United. You saw it at the end with Chelsea back in when was it? 
2015. I agree with that, but I, mean, I haven't seen that quite yet with Tottenham. But he's only been there for five five months, six months, mm-hmm. compared to a few seasons. So I, I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I think they can definitely win something, but I also feel like if Mourinho does what Mourinho normally does, that it could also just be a giant failure because he's just known yeah. for moving around so much. It's just I don't think he's a long-term type of manager. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. I don't. I don't think it was a smart move. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why they did it. There must have been something going on between Pochettino and the owners or the board or something. But the players uh, loved it. Mourinho is not a long-term solution at all. He never is. No, mm, not at all. Not for the not for any Premier League team anymore. No, I think that's it's, that's what Tottenham needs moving forward is a manager, a long-term manager. Yeah. Just don't get the Pochettino. I feel like they had it, and they had it. Yeah, why? why I did too. You get rid of That's the crazy thing. I like that. I liked him so much. I did too. And he I made Tottenham, he made Tottenham fun to watch. And I mean, I'm not yeah. a big Tottenham fan. No, you're an know. Arsenal fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's I like that too. But I agree with you. They were fun to watch under Pochettino. Yeah. They had life. Oh, yeah. They were out there playing soccer and having fun. But I, I don't know. I don't know why. Too. I don't know why they got rid of him. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's hard to argue against. I mean, just a guy like Pochettino. I don't know if you guys have watched much like Tottenham interviews, YouTube videos, or anything. But sometimes I find myself on YouTube, and you just you watch those things, and you see, and even interviews. Pochettino is just a high energy, fun guy, and the relationship you have with the players seem to be almost unbreakable. So he just seemed I like think- a fun uncle. In all honesty, he just seemed like yeah. that manager that you always wanted to have around. But yeah. he also seemed like he knew when it was time to get serious about stuff. Yeah, and I just yeah. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Maybe we're missing something, or there's something. Well, there's I there's some it. there's some behind. It has to be. Stuff. You know, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. There's got to be some sort of beef. But I think you could ask yeah. any Tottenham fan too, and it's like, why? Like, it doesn't make sense. You just had the best season that you've had in how long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, almost yeah, won the Premier League back with them back in 2016, except for the Leicester miracle. It's just yep, yep. And then you almost won the Champions League. Yeah, and it's like you're on the right, like you're moving in the right direction. It's not like, like you're taking one step forward and two steps back. Like you're going yeah, that right way. That the Spurs haven't been in years, years. And then yeah. since he didn't win it, they're just they just called it off. I know, and he was on that. I think when they sacked him, he was on that ten game losing streak or whatever, something like that. And then Mourinho comes in, and he goes on the same streak. And all the Tottenham yeah. fans are like, "Oh, Mourinho's the best. Mourinho's the best." But it's like. You just sacked the best manager you've had in however long, and then you bring in a manager who's known for being here for two and a half, three yeah, seasons. Yeah, who's known for bouncing around. Yeah. yeah. Just, Tottenham, Tottenham definitely need a new manager looking forward. I think so, but, too. I think this is a short-term type of thing. Yeah. But moving, moving on to uh, to uh, to seventh place, to Wolves. You guys think they can make Europa League next year? You guys think that you guys think they'll be back up kind of uh, top, I don't know, top, top six or – do you guys think they're going to be more kind of a mid-table team next season? You know, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's team, a tough one. It's, I mean, it's electric. I mean, obviously, I think even you watch the Premier League games on the weekend and even the commentators know that they call him the special weapon, the threat. Like, they're, he's their key. Adama Traore is electric off the bench, but I think you cannot ignore... Again, a Premier League number nine in Raul Jimenez, who has been ecstatic for Wolves, and I think he has just hands down been their best player. I, think. I would agree with that. 17 goals this season, right? I think. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. sounds right. 
It, I think it broke Chicharito's record for most uh, goals scored by a Mexican in the Premier League. I think yeah, Raul Jimenez, 17 goals. Yeah. So, the same I, as uh, Marshall and Rashford. Yeah. yeah. I think watching this team, especially, I mean, I don't know. I, I know lots of you guys may not watch championship football in England, but seeing that team come up, I mean, especially players like Ruben Neves, and I think Jean Matinho even joined them when they're in the championship from AS Monaco. You'll get, how are they pulling this off? What are they doing? But Portuguese, the Portuguese for uh, Wolves, for some reason, has just been. Well, even Rui Patricio, he he, pulled, he stepped yeah. up this season, too. He had 13 clean sheets. I think a I lot mean, of the, I think a lot of the credit ahead. has to go to, to Nuno as well, their manager, just based on how they're playing and the style of play that they have going. It's yeah, a what he's what been able to do with that group of guys. Yeah. Is, is it's a lot of passing and a lot of. You know, going out, going out wide, and then being able to, you know, pick out the passes that they want. And I think, the, yeah, they after the restart, they were playing some really good football. Yeah, and the the midfield partnership of Jamatino and and Ruben Neves is, you could argue, one of the best in the league. I yeah. feel like mm-hmm. just based on the style of play. Yeah, and I feel like that team kind of has goals from everywhere. I mean, obviously, you look at Raul Jimenez, Adama Traore. And then even from the midfield, I mean, Ruben Neves is absolutely lethal from free kicks, long shots, whatever it may be. So I think the team being as well-rounded as it is, and I think, like Nick was saying, you give Nuno some of the credit because that team is just well-coached and they, they show it on the field. How do you guys think they're going to do in the uh, Europa League? Who do they have? Who do they play think again? I think they play Sevilla. Sevilla, I, th- I, think they have, I think they have a good shot against Sevilla. Yeah, the whole thing. Whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. Manchester United's gonna win the whole thing. Go through Manchester United. Yeah, you think? I don't know. I think both. Oh no, that was a shaky performance against Copenhagen earlier. I'm be. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. A lot. A lot of the. A lot of the shakiness against Copenhagen was just they weren't. They weren't able to finish. And I don't know. Manchester United does. Is a team where the other team is very easily able to get into the heads of the Manchester United players. If players start going down easy, it starts affecting United and how they play. And you saw that today during Copenhagen. I could agree with that, but I think I mean twenty six opportunities for United. Mm-hmm. It's the finishing. It's the finishing. Johnson yeah. had had what? How many saves? Thirteen saves. I mean, that's yeah. come on. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Thirteen saves for a goalie in in a game. I mean. I feel like well, you know, a lot of the shots weren't powerful. You know, a lot of the shots didn't really test him too much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even you look at the shot at Fred; he was wide open, right, right at the edge of eighteen. He just kind of passed it to him, you know. So there were a lot of shots like that where they weren't really testing him. Yeah, but there but were a lot I, of good ones from Martial too. I mean, Martial. There was... were, there were. I don't know. I, I think Manchester United can win uh, Europa League. I, I, I think that was against Copenhagen. It was a little bit of a fluke, but I, I think they can. I think they'll win Europa League. Do you think United can take Inter? I think they have to go through Wolves too. Yeah, well, yeah. United have to face Inter too. I don't that know. Close one. Is that what the final could be? I know they beat Leverkusen today. Yeah, I think you look at that team regardless of who you are. I think Inter Milan is something else. I mean, they are just. They they look solid in every position. And, I mean, Lukaku I mean, and Martinez yeah, has to be one of the best strike forces. Yeah, but uh, yeah, currently. Lukaku's really grown into his own at at intern. Uh, Thirty one goals in all comps this season is yeah, that's insane. It's 
pretty good. To say the least. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, everything's adding up to have an Inter-Manchester United final. Lukaku scoring a brace to win. Oh, oh God. I don't know. It's just looking <laughs> like that. I think that'd be the best final that you could Assisted get. Assisted by Alexis Sanchez? What? And an Ashley on assist. Uh, yeah, that would be strong. Huh? That would be strong. Written in the stars. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> I think I think Europa League is going to be exciting this year. Europa League is going to be very exciting this yeah, year. If they can get past Wolves, who they haven't beaten in Premier League play this season, it will be interesting. Yeah, two really good games. Uh, I don't know. I think if they play post restart, you you can't deny what Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford have been able to do. I guess. I guess. I mean, look at that Wolves team. Be a good tournament. They have yeah, them. well, yeah, it'll be, it'll be whoever has the better defense is going to win. Whoever plays oh. the better defense that day will win. Agreed. All right, so I think we all agree. Raul Jimenez has been electric for Wolves, best player by far. Best player oh, by yes. far. What about, what about for uh, what about for Let's Arsenal? Go. Arsenal, since restart. I since restart, restart all season. I'm going to go. I'm going to start with since restart because I have a I really good one who I think it was definitely the best player since restart, and that's. Emiliano Martinez. Dude played 10 games since the restart. Three clean sheets. Ten, only 10 goals allowed. That's only one goal a game. And he played Manchester City. He played Chelsea. He played Liverpool. And he beat all three of those teams. Yeah. Point. I mean, and yes, is definitely my Arsenal player of the season. But I think when it comes to yeah. after the restart, he stepped up big. Came in. He didn't even know he was going to play. Leno started the first game of the restart. Yeah. yeah. And Leno was really good all season, too. Oh, Leno was, was really solid. good all season, too. Leno's I mean, the reason why Arsenal managed to even finish eighth. I Both had a reasons, but. Yeah. I had a Bamiang as my player of the season, but I, I, in all honesty, I kind of forgot about Martinez. And now that you mention it, I might have to, might have to switch to that because if you look at the defense that Arsenal has, it's just so bad for a team that's considered a you know, the oh. top six. It's just Mustafi's awful. David Luiz is making mistakes all the time, and it's just it's so hard to Luis watch. It's hard no, yeah. to watch. It's a, it's, the Arsenal defense is a hit or miss. You had games against Liverpool where it looked yeah. like they were a $100 million defense. Yeah, and, they looked phenomenal. Yeah, they looked absolutely insane. And then you have games where they play Via and they lose. Yeah, <laughs> right after really winning, right after beating Liverpool, you beat Liverpool four days later, lose to lose to Villa. What is that? Yeah, Arsenal. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the epitome that's of Arsenal, what, right there. That's, it is. That's what their defense is. Yeah, I think Mikel Arteta, like Michael was saying. I mean, obviously, I think for most people, the player that comes to mind is Bamiang. Did he finish with twenty-two this season? Twenty-two. Yeah, twenty-two yeah. goals, one behind the golden boot of Jamie Vardy. But I think that's the first thing that comes to mind because he's something else up front but then like michael said you look down to it that defense is absolutely shocking and seeing both leno and martinez mikhail arteta has some decision making Mm -hmm. it's not obvious anymore i mean beginning of the season you would have said martinez who but now you're yeah possibly one of the best shot stoppers in the premier league after 10 games i mean it's a small sample size but if he's play it if he's consistent it's you can't really argue it, so I think Arteta has a decision to make. Well, I, I yeah. have a question, and I, I kind of want to aim it towards Michael, but I mean it's okay. definitely open for you guys. If you're Arteta, and you get to choose between keeping a Bamiang 
or signing a two new center backs? Just about being leaving and you yep. get and Arsenal get two new center backs. I'm yep. fine with that. Having Rock really? up there, Pepe's gonna Pepe's gonna do better. But then you'd have more. Okay, would they get more transfers though? Like, would they get more? Or is it just the two center backs and that's it? That's their signing. Well, we're just talking two center backs. Okay, so they get those two. I think they still look good. I mean, because with Laka up there, you got Pepe, you got Saka. I mean, they're looking yeah. real good up front, especially yeah. going in this next season. If they're able to get a defense like that, bring in some high-quality defenders. But you're losing the like, second-highest goal scorer in the Prem. Yeah. And I, guess, I know we're near as good as Aubameyang. has been able to do but without Aubameyang. He's absolutely not. He is yeah. an integral part of the Arsenal squad. Yeah, they need a bombing if they want to do anything. But yeah. if they just keep the same thing and have a bombing, well, I mean, let's be honest. You, you, don't think, you don't think it's a chemistry thing. You think it's past that. Like you're already done. You need to move on. You need to sign new players. Yeah, no, it's that they need they need new defense and they need to be able to find a way to keep a bombing while improving the areas in the squad that need to be mm-hmm. like their defense. Maybe they sell Waka. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I think. That's that, what in I my opinion. Yeah. I think that's what I think they should do. I think they I should sell Ozil and invest in the defense. They need to somehow figure out how to get Ozil off their wallet because that's disgusting. Yeah, Ozil's got to fucking go. He's, they're still paying his salary, huh? He's yeah, like, yeah, like Gareth Bale. I mean, yeah, but then, but then take it to ownership, and ownership won't pay anything to invest in the club, get new players. I don't yeah. think there's any reason why that why an Arsenal team under Arteta can't finish in the top four. If oh, he's, no. If he gets backed if, by the board. If Arteta is, no yes, is able to get backed and have the funds that he needs, he can craft a team. And you can see it with what he did yeah. in the restart with the team that he had with that defense. Yeah. He said with Mustafi mm-hmm. back there and David mm-hmm. Eades. Liverpool, City, and Chelsea, too. And he won the FA Cup. Big boys. Yeah. yeah. And when, as long as the board backs him, he will bring Champions League soccer back to North London. There's no, no way. There's can. no way he can. That's the thing, too. All he has to do, I mean, he already won a trophy. What's on yeah. his mind is Champions League. That's it. Yeah. I guarantee he, gets a, he, he got sure. the silverware. Yeah, six months in, got the silverware already. Absolutely. Yeah. Doing better than Mourinho. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, yeah, I think we can all agree. And I think they can do it. I feel like for, you know. I think players. so. I think Arsenal will be back into the Champions League as long as Mikel Arteta is getting his way and he's able to run the club or the team how he wants to. I think they'll be back in the Champions League within oh, two, three years, no problem. Yeah, absolutely. I hate to say it, you know, for whoever's listening to this, but I think there's going to be a lot of moments that you that you realize where we kind of shit on Tottenham. I think it's safe to say there's at least three of us who aren't the biggest Mourinho and uh, Tottenham fans in this in this podcast. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like Tottenham. As I much like as Tottenham. I mean, I, I can't stand them. I'm gonna be honest. I, I don't think I like they're the Tottenham worst. Like I think no, Tottenham's I, I very like, interesting I like situation. Tottenham a lot better. I would agree. Oh yeah, I think that Tottenham team is honestly hard to hate. I mean, Harry Kane. Is hey, just they've got some good guys the, on that. I like team. Tottenham. I mean, you like the likes of Harry Kane and Son. Like they are, they're fun to watch. They're players fun to watch. Harry Kane is probably one of the best number nines in the world. I mean, you could, I mean, Lowendowski. I'd say the only person Kane, better is, Le- is Leva. Yeah, in terms yeah. of it, in that, just a goal scorer at number nine. Yeah, just a Harry prop, Kane and yeah. Lewandowski are world class. Yeah, I would agree. So, I think, think Martial is well on his way within the next year or two, though. I think if he keeps playing the way he's playing, then yes, I could see that. With how he played this season, if he can be better than how he was, absolutely. 
He was the best yeah. player for United for Copenhagen or against Copenhagen today. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, no, I think I mean as much as you guys be saying that they don't he doesn't like Arsenal, I, I mean Tottenham. I think that Arsenal the Tottenham team with Sun, Kane, Deli Ali and just I, I think it'll be very interesting to see how it progresses. I mean, you get the license and Dombele. If him and Mourinho can sort out like they've been I mean, they've been saying that they've come to terms and that Dombele is gonna stay for a little while longer, but I think it'll be interesting to see how we can progress that team. Like you were saying, it might not be the most exciting thing, but I don't think there's any reason to shit on Tottenham, especially, yeah. I mean, just looking at Harry Kane's son. I mean, Lucas Moore has been electric Ooh, for them. Who, who do you guys think will get uh, Champions League back first, Arsenal or Tottenham? Arsenal. Arsenal. And I, th- I actually think it might be Tottenham I just because be Tottenham. I don't Tottenham want to admit it, but it definitely fix. would be. I think Tottenham have less to fix than Arsenal do in terms of the defense. Yes, they're mm-hmm. losing younger Coggin, but they still have Toby, who is on his day. They let's need, be honest, they a need very good center back. They need to sign new outside backs. I mean, Ben Davies at times has looked, I mean, not like Ben Davies, let's be real. At times he pulls things off that he Ben Davies shouldn't be doing. Yeah. But I think I mean, that those are just me, two spots that need to improve. Let me ask you this. Would you say that Aurier, Serge Aurier, would be the Dava Luiz of Tottenham? Um, I think he's awful. I don't I don't think he's been good enough for that Tottenham team, in all honesty. I think no. they can definitely do with a new right back. If they can buy one player, I think you have to buy a right back. I think that's I where think, you're yeah, Both teams are definitely investing into their defense. Yes. Yeah. Sure. yeah, I think especially with one of the first things we've seen, I mean – Obviously, there's no like, there's no question. I mean, I think Ori is on the way out this summer, but I think assigning like Max Ahrens from Norwich or just another like a young outside backs. I mean, I think Max Ahrens specifically could fill that void very easily for them. And I think if they can get it done, whether he's on Mourinho's radar or not, I mean, no one really knows what on earth Mourinho is thinking. But no, no. I, what do you yeah. think about the <laughs> signing of Hoiberg from? from uh southampton because quite honestly i it's hard to understand i don't get it and all like, yeah you know it's also deli ali and domboy sissoko harry winks why do they buy a sixth midfielder who i don't get it honestly I mean, good enough to start it, in most yeah i mean even that's still five premier league starting center quality center mids. yeah i mean yeah that's, that's how i felt when Mourinho was at united too he always seemed to be Trying to change things that shouldn't have necessarily been the biggest priority at the time. Yeah, no, like things that sure eventually down the line you might want to change, swap out a few people here and there. But like he he was never, never seemed to be focused on the crucial area for whatever reason. Yeah, it's that twenty million on Poiper, who I mean, let's be honest, has been one of Southampton's best players for years now. Yeah, at only twenty five, I mean, it's not a bad signing. But when you look at it on paper, it doesn't make the, sense. No, it's, yeah, it's not. Like it's six all, that are why, all, why is it Tottenham making that something? Unless you're seeing, unless they're planning on selling people and we just don't know yet. I mean, that would yeah. be the only thing that yeah. would make sense. But unless he's there to replace one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have, I mean, obviously, I think one of the most wild rumors that anyone can see for Tottenham, especially after the end of the Serie A season, is the whole. Paulo Dybala, I mean, I know in the winter yeah. transfer it was spoken about and that they might have been in terms with him and just had to reach terms with Inter, but I think, I mean, one of the things I've seen but I don't think is very reasonable is trading Deli Ali 
someone else and money for Dybala. And I think after he wins Serie A player of the season, there's no way that happens. So, I mean, like Nick said, unless we're missing something, I don't think it makes sense to sign another center mid. I think that's $20 million. Although he's a good player, it's $20 million that could have been added to... A right a back or a left back. back. Something yeah, that they like actually million, need. Yeah, 50 million pound right back instead of a 30 could be the difference. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think Tottenham are definitely going to be getting Champions League football back before Arsenal, unfortunately, but that's just because of the position they're in. But I think it'll be very interesting to watch the two North London clubs battle it out for their spots. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think we'll have to see here in the next coming weeks with transfers and everything, how it works out. I mean, like like you like we've been saying, if Arsenal get backed, they get their money. Or Arteta gets backed, Arsenal gives him his money. Sign party, maybe Coutinho, who knows? Some defense. Yeah. Or even loaning players and then and even loaning players too. Which is always yeah. they need to figure out their money situation. Yeah. And, and I think you gotta sell some people too. Because I oh, saw definitely. Uh, Maitland yeah. Isles is linked to Tottenham and stuff like yeah. that. I think you just got get if you're if you don't see a certain player having a future there, I think they just got to go. I think you need the money right well, now. And there are definitely a decent amount of assets at Arsenal that can For be sure. offloaded like that, and they can get money that way too. For sure, I mean, yeah. You have, you have think... Guendouzi who's linked to art or he's linked to Barcelona. Forty mil, thirty mil. You think? No, Arsenal <laughs> requesting forty mil. Yeah, and that's what ten million less than what Atletico want for Tom yeah. Curry. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. It's there, and then you have Laka, who you can sell to. Maitland Niles, an easy fifty, I feel like. Oh yeah, Laka can go for some money, especially in the prem. I think Laka should yeah. stay in the prem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if he is, does move, he should stay in the prem. Yeah, but where he would he stay. go to though? I don't see him fitting into any big six team. No, unless he goes to I mean, like a Wolves or something. True, but, but even true. then. No. Yeah, but they she just signed Timo Werner. They did. I mean, yeah. I think Leicester. Oh, Leicester would be a good one. It would be interesting. Yeah. But I know. I know Brendan Rodgers is playing. I mean, you don't see Jamie Vardy with a striking partner often, so I think. I mean, it could be very interesting. But I mean, you got Ian Acho, but even then, he's just you, you're gonna take he's a lot of Ian Acho. But yeah, I mean, I think wrapping up the top eight, it's gonna be very interesting to watch every team. I mean. Arsenal has a weak defense, but I mean, Aubameyang up front. Wolves has obviously like some of their players might not be up to scratch yet. Spurs with a new manager, Leicester with injuries, and I mean the top four from this year. I mean, you got. I kind of see him going over to the top four next season. I was going to say you got to look at him, and you can you can't really like say oh this person is going to go down. You kind of only see up with those four, but yeah, I think in terms of. The restart, I think we covered a lot, especially with the Europa League Champions League team. So, yeah. Very excited for next season already. Yeah, I think it's going to be amazing. All right. Speaking of excited for next season, I don't think anyone's more excited than the newly promoted teams, Leeds, West Brom, and Fulham. Do you guys think they're going to do the best out of those three? I mean, I think me and VDB discussed this a little bit. I mean, obviously before, but I think when you look at those teams, I mean, you look at Fulham, they, they, they went through the playoff and they scored that last minute goal. But I think the fact that they had to go to the playoffs, unfortunately, kind of rules them out. I think 
Yeah, I'm not being able to beat out those two teams above and them. It wasn't I the think. most convincing win in the in play. The, yeah, it was. Yeah, extra time. And one was a fluke from the goalkeeper. Yeah, their and, first goal was a fluke. Yeah, so zero and so I think looking at both Leeds and West Brom, they have their strengths and their weaknesses. But I mean, from what I was saying, like Nick and I were talking about it, I think Leeds, Leeds. might be. I, I think mean, Leeds could, could be a top ten team next season. I'm gonna be. Yeah, I don't think. I'm not sure yeah, it'll Leeds be the, the Sheffield. I mean, injury. that's not unreasonable to say. I mean, you saw Sheffield, so. Yeah, I don't think it'll be quite like that, but def- I think they're finishing above fifteenth. Yep, no I, hundred percent. They're finishing above fifteenth. Yeah, There's no oh, yeah. I think if one of those three teams is going to get relegated, it's I feel like it's going to be West Brom. Yeah, or both. West Brom. I, I don't know. I don't think Fulham's going to last the season in the Premier League. Well, yeah. I mean, they did just bounce back after being relegated last season too. So I feel like that's I mean, a little bit about their character and what they're able to. I feel, I feel like they're just right on that bubble. I, I yeah. really feel like they're just right on that bubble. They're not quite there to be a Premier League team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, talking about Leeds, saying we think they're going to finish high, but uh, Nick brought it to my attention, actually. Patrick Bamford, Nick, what are you saying? Um, He's not good enough. I think 43 starts and only 16 goals in the championship is it, – it's just not good enough to have you as your number one striker going into the Prem. Lock it to Leeds. I mean, that would Leeds, be something. I, I'm not. Don't quote me on it, but I believe Leeds do have some money behind them. But I saw I think um, Edison Cavani to Leeds as one of the transfer rumors. I did see that. Yeah. He's on a, Edison Cavani. I'd like yeah, to see he's on a free. That would be something. That would be. He's on a free. So yeah, I think when you look at Leeds, obviously the key players: Ben White, 22 years old, yeah. left center back. I mean, mm-hmm. he he is. I believe he's on loan from Brighton. I'm not too sure, but. I think if they lose Ben White, things could be looking rough. But if they're going to keep him, that their defensive unit is looking cohesive going into 2021. I, I mean, Calvin Phillips too. I mean, he led yeah. pretty much 37. Season, yeah, 37 appearances in the championship. Yeah, his goal output wasn't that great, but I mean, he's 2. a seven tackles per 90 and yeah. 1.4 interceptions, along with 1.3 clearances, and producing 55 passes per 90 with 81. 0.8% completion rate is pretty outstanding even in the championship. So I think looking at Calvin Phillips and Ben White are the two you need to keep. Well, let me let me ask you this, because Thomas mentioned that he thinks that you said West Brown and Fulham you think will be on the towards the bottom? Oh, full of Fulham for sure. I, I don't okay. think Fulham's going to last the season. So Burmouth, Watford, and Norwich, they obviously they were all relegated. You have then, after that, Villa, West Ham, and Brighton. Do you think they finish – Above one of those teams or below, or who do you think out of them get really good? Villa, West Ham, and Brighton. Yeah, I think. You think I, West I, don't I mean, I don't, th- I don't think Fulham will finish dead last. They might. I mean, I mean they might finish seventeenth. But I, I would be surprised if Fulham stayed up um, in the Premier League. After, I think they have a better the chance year. than West Brom. I think. Uh, I think West Brom will be higher than them. Yes. I think West Brom will be better than Fulham yeah, in this next season. I think West Ham will be better. I think West Ham just have too much money invested. I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I don't really. I, I really didn't watch the uh, too too much of the championship. I really only paid attention to the playoffs. But Fulham just weren't convincing when I saw them. They just weren't convincing. I don't know. I think Brentford should have gone gone up. 
I think they would have been the more exciting yeah. thing I've seen in the I was really with Ali I wanted that, I wanted that logo. I wanted that patch to be in the cool Premier League. Cool logo. League. You know, it's fun. It's fun as an American seeing new clubs should pop up in the Premier League. For sure, <laughs> yeah. It's exciting. Makes you wish for a promotion relegation system in MLS, but that will not be happening in American soccer for a long time. Yeah. No, no. I feel like that's another hour-long discussion, too. And that's a whole episode. <laughs> that is a whole episode but, in itself. The downfall of the MLS. I think now yeah. it's time to, uh, to transition into um, some quick-fire questions around uh, round off this episode. So I guess we'll um, we'll start. I mean, we'll keep going with the Premier League. Um, I mean, keep it to, like, 30 seconds. Which which team outside of the Big Six do each you guys think has the best chance to break into the top six? Sam, you want to start with that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean – Looking at teams, I think the three for me that come to mind are Wolves, Southampton, Everton. I mean, Wolves, you wouldn't consider big six by any means, but I mean, they finish in seventh, tied on points with Tottenham. And I mean, let's be, it takes them a little while to get going. They're a second half team every game. So I think if you're counting out Wolves, if they just even keep in just the squad they have now, I think you got to look for them to threaten for like automatic Europa League qualification. I mean, maybe if they have a ridiculous season, you could even see them in the Champions League. But I think I, think, I, think I would agree with you there. Yeah. I think you see the system Nuno has. I mean, five in the back. I mean, Doherty, it's just, it works for them. Don't know what it is. Adama Traore mm-hmm. is sensational. He's young. Bravo Menez is scoring goals. You see players like Daniel Podence, who they signed from Olympiacos. I mean, didn't have much time to adjust. Came back from Portugal after um, the restart. Yeah. Got his second start, got his first start of the season, and scored a goal. So I think out of those three, I'm going to take Wolves, but I don't think you can count out Southampton and Everton by any means. I mean, yeah, if he, if he, uh, Nick and Michael, what do you guys think? Do you guys think Wolves or do you guys think another team? I'm thinking Leicester. I think if you look at how good they were up until the restart, and then they got hit with those injuries, they were. I mean, what they were in second the whole the whole first part of the season. I think it's hard to take away what they accomplished up until the injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say Everton. Everton might have it. I mean, it's just it's another one of those cases. There's of how many teams in the Premier League with this is going to be their second year or second season in the Prem with a new manager, and yeah. I think Everton they're going to be making moves this transfer market for sure. Yeah, uh, Ever- Everton's a good able. shout. Yeah, they're. Yeah. I think if we're going to watch anyone, I'm going to watch Everton. Yeah, and yeah, so Everton will definitely be one. All right, uh, yeah. Nick, I'll give. I'll let you start this one off. Uh, who do you think should win Premier League Manager of the Year? For really gonna go into thirty it. second answer. Oh, it's, it's such an in depth question. I think you're a good cop. I think you can't take away what he's been able to do for a team like Liverpool. If you look at how they were back, uh, back how they were starting, it's hard. It's just hard not to give it. Yep, yep. Michael, what are, you got anything to add on to that? You think Jurgen Klopp? Oh, for sure. I mean, the dude's been eyeing – he's had his eye on the Premier League title since he came here from Dortmund. I don't know. He's had, he was close to it years before last year. With yeah. Man City wasn't as dominant as they were last year. I think he would have won it last year. But he yeah. did a good job coming in strong, making a team that almost didn't lose. I think he deserved I mean, it. Yeah, I, don't think there's any, I don't think there's any arguing there. They won the Premier League by 18 points. Yeah, that wasn't close. That just end of the season yeah, was a little iffy, but you can't. I mean, by that if you point, look, yeah, if pretty you look at what they did before the break, they already had it in the bag. That's that's yeah. the impressive part. 
18 points above City, a team like City especially, even with the injuries, shows a lot about that team. I think even next year it might be the yep. same. Yep, I agree with that too. All right, next question, Michael. We'll, we'll target it towards you. What do you think about uh, the uh, the Premier League clubs voting against the five sub rule? I like it. I would. To- I vote against it. I don't think it makes sense. It's one of those rules that I don't think needs to be changed in the game. There are rules that need to be changed. Far, give an example. Far still mm-hmm. needs to be changed, adjusted to, because it's not the best system in place right now. I'd say, but I don't know. Five subs. It it affects the game, and yeah, you could say it affects the game in a positive way, which it does. I mean, it, more players in the field, fresher players. Games to move a little faster, you think? But I mean, half of your field players. You clearly well, yeah, half that's half. Yeah, exactly. That's half your field players. I don't know. It just changes the game when there isn't a necessary reason to change the game. Mm. I I don't so then, have any. So then, what do you what do you think about what do you think about the water breaks then? Water breaks, no. I mean, see, okay, if they're gonna change anything, four subs, add one sub. I'm fine with four subs, but. Water break. To See, that's that's what I would agree to. That's how, that's how I think they should have gone about so it. So many games. Forget the water breaks. Do that based on heat. If it's above a certain yeah. temperature, give them water breaks. Obviously. Like they always have, Make it right? four subs. Make it four subs. I don't yeah. think three is but enough. Like, you know? If you need to have water breaks in the game, three is clearly not enough. You need four. Oh, yeah. No. If you need to have a water break, four subs, that definitely would do a lot. That would help a team a lot. But mm-hmm. you watch those games after the restart. So many oh, of those games, cool. you'd see a team just playing like absolute crap um and they're there <laughs> playing the absolute dog like, yeah no i mean these 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 teams are playing like dog shit like and then they just double half of their dog and then it's not even that it, it changes the game in the in the way that in the pace of it a team could be just score a goal go out a minute later water break gets called huge game like uh change of pace yeah coaches are able to lecture their team for a whole free minute like oh, say hey you saw what they just did this, 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 this. don't let them do this 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 and this like it's yeah. literally a halftime talk form it's ridiculous yeah, no it literally is like i saw i you could literally watch the game change in the first 25 minutes and then the 20 minutes following like there were two different games because the coaches were able to talk to them but it just changes the game unnecessarily in my opinion We'll try and keep this a quick fire question, Nick. Uh, Sam, you guys have anything to add on to that? What do you guys think about them voting against? Yeah, I mean, I think Thomas and I talked about it once before, because before we had started this, we talked about it obviously because it was voted on. But I think at first I said, "Oh, why not five subs? Like it makes it interesting." Blah blah. blah. But then when you point out the fact that it is literally half the field players for each team, possibly maybe ten new players on the field at one time, and and within the rules, but I just think. I agree. I think maybe four, but in terms of it, it just changes the tides of the game too much. And I think teams like City, especially in Liverpool with more depth, will benefit more than a club like Sheffield would. So I think it's fair to keep it how it is for now. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think so. But, all right. I think that wraps us up. Uh, that's all the time we have for the first episode of the Pundits Podcast. We'll be back. We'll be back next week with our with the second episode. We'll be talking more about Europa League and Champions League restart. <laughs> Make sure that you don't miss that. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Make sure that you check out our socials, our Twitter, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, and all of that. Make sure that you share this with all your friends and family. Thank you very much for your time, and we'll see you guys next week.